0: Okay, so you can use the new Bible, and it is going. We're going to be in Acts uh, four uh, today, one through twenty-two, and that is on page eight fifty-seven of the Bible. So, in case you're not a table of context person, uh, or you're like, uh, I don't, I'm not really sure where it is. We are going to be in Acts four, uh, and that is on page eight fifty-seven of the of the new Bible. So today, let me give you a little bit of background, and then we'll, we'll kind of set this up. So Jeff, uh, the pastor here, has taken us on a little bit of a ride uh, through uh, Acts, and we are focusing on the power of the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem. And what has happened so far is at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down uh, and filled and dwelt the apostles and those with them with the Holy Spirit. Uh, they then were able to go and speak in tongues. And out of that, uh, so people of all different languages and nations were able to understand what they were saying. And what were they saying? They were proclaiming Christ and speaking the gospel of Christ. They were calling to them to repent uh, of their sins and uh, reminding them of the person of uh, Christ who was resurrected from the dead, All right? So that was Peter's first very powerful sermon in Acts. And uh, that, the thing about Acts that I want you to remember as we continue to read through this is Acts is actually a continuation of Luke's book, Luke's gospel. So Luke was writing about Jesus. Luke then continues to say, well, you've learned about this, Jesus. Let me tell you what Jesus said, and then let me show you how, in fact, what Jesus said is coming through and coming true in the church and through Acts, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's, to me, it's much more of a, it's a rational proof. Jesus said, I'm going to do these things. Now let me show you in Acts what we're actually going to do, because I said that we're going to do that. So Jesus pulls that through. And Peter in his first sermon is proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming Christ, proclaiming the resurrection. Many are coming to him. People are adding to their number every day. And Jeff had preached a sermon on the importance of and the power of becoming a Christian and a believer and what that message had said, that it cut people quick to the, cut people to the quick is, is some of the terms, for cut people to the heart. And then he continued to preach on the church, and you could see that in Acts chapter 2, where the church now was continuing to grow, and they were meeting together and teaching and learning about God's commands, Jesus' commands, and they were having fellowship with each other. So the power of the Holy Spirit continued to grow the church. And then last week, Jeff preached on the Holy Spirit in weakness. How how do we have power in weakness? Uh, Through the example of Peter healing the lame beggar in the portico. Uh, So we have power in the individual and the work of an individual's life to come to Christ. We have power in the church to continue to grow the church. We have power in weakness. And today, really, we're going to focus on power of the Holy Spirit in all trials. So that is the main focus of, excuse me, today. And I put all trials. And um, what does all mean? All means all. All. I'm, I, I say that rhetorically a little bit, but I think it's important for people to think about that because I want you to remember that the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ provides, all, provides us all in our trials with all in the midst of those trials and to glorify all things to God in those trials. Now, I use trials even though today in Acts, we are going to see uh, the beginning of the persecution of the church. So the beginning of the church starting to have uh, some issues. But I wanted the whole overarching theme is that the Holy Spirit provides us during all trials. Now, the idea here is that we have trials in our life. Um, This last Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I had the, 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 the blessing, if I could call it that, I'm saying that a little bit tongue-in-cheek, of on the hottest days of the week, my air conditioning went out, so I'm trying to handle with my air conditioning. Now, that's a trial. That's what I would call a simple trial. Now, sometimes uh, as a, a, a dad and a father, I don't handle that trial so well. Uh, I crack under pressure with a little bit of, of tone change and a little bit of the way I act in the home, and that's not so great, but that can be a trial. Um, all the way to the end of the spectrum where you have persecution, has anyone ever been in a situation where they were put under pressure by authority? Can you think of a time when you were having pressure and how you felt when you were under authority and you were having some pressure? So I remember a time when I was in the military. So I was in uh, the army at Fort Bragg, and I was a 22-year-old who was in charge of explosives. And uh, when I when so we we did things like blew up roads and blew up bridges. Well, when we weren't doing that, um, we did even funner things like taking the explosives to the range and trying to just blow up stuff because it was cool. Um, and I remember one of the things that we used was, there was a tanker, if you can imagine, like a fluid tanker. And uh, it has a very long back end, right? It's very long. And we took what's called a shape charge, and we put a shape charge on the end of it. Now, a shape charge is actually designed to blow a 10 to 12-foot hole straight down into a road so a plane can't land on the airway or a truck can't drive on the road. So what I decided to do was allow the guys to have some fun and put a shape charge on the end of, the, uh, um, and the end of this large transport fuel truck, and uh, I continue to blame it on my first sergeant today because he said it was okay, and they put it on there and they blew it, and it went about two miles downrange sideways uh, and started the whole thing on fire. Now, my first sergeant in the company, uh, who was over head of everybody, then came brought me into his office, and he was a noncommissioned officer. I was an officer, but he pursued to chew me out, uh, and that was as a 22 year old one of the most concerning things I ever did, and I still blamed my my platoon sergeant for it. Um, but uh, I know I actually took responsibility for it. But uh, he was a very large, probably a six foot three large Hawaiian man. Um, and he always was eating, so he was actually eating at the time while he was yelling at me and spitting at me. And the threat that I felt there as a 22-year-old, like this man is going to crush me, and I'm going to lose my military career. And he said some of those things like that. Now, thankfully, I didn't. Uh, and uh, you know, he, 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 he. But I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to think. I did take responsibility for what I did, thankfully, which is probably what saved me. Um, But that was the first real time, other than when my dad was yelling at me because I escaped out of the house when I was young, Um, that was probably the first real time when I had a job of my authority saying, I have authority over you, and what you do matters, and what I say you do is what you should do. And don't ever think that you are in any other authority other than myself and the army. Uh, And that was the first time that, yes, I did something reckless, and I deserved it, but I was really starting to feel pressure. So now we have. Let's look at Acts. Now we have the um, we have the apostles Paul and John. Paul, Peter and John specifically, now are coming and talking with uh, in front of the Sadducees and the priests. Now remember, they just healed the lame beggar. Peter had just was just doing his discussion, uh, his second his second uh, in the middle of his second sermon, calling them to repent. So let's read Acts four one through six together. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was evening. It was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. So imagine this now. They were in the middle of preaching. They healed the, healed the lame beggar, right? And now what happened? They were offended. Now, I want you to highlight the Sadducees here. So first of all, these were the same people that knew Jesus. Uh, remember that. Annas was... Um, was an older high priest, so he was still around. He was actually Caiaphas' father, was still around, still had a title uh, of that, and they had brought all of these people. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. So you have to understand that they're preaching Jesus resurrected, and the Sadducees, um, they're preaching and teaching. Right, And the Sadducees said, well, you can't, we can't do this. We're losing power. You, we have authority over you. We're going to come and start to take you. We're gonna, we, they took them. Now, they were nicer than what they did to Jesus. In Jesus, they had a, a, nightly trial, a nighttime trial that technically wasn't allowed. Here, they at least waited until the next day, uh, which is what's supposed to happen. But what they were doing was teaching and proclaiming in Jesus. So remember, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. What's all? All is all. All authority has been given to me. So therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them what? To observe all that I have commanded you. So that's what they saw them doing, was teaching them all that I had commanded you and proclaiming Jesus. Now there's another phrase in Romans, Romans 8.28, it says, and we know that all things... That in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. So this, this all the reason I say that, all, because you're going to hear that word in a lot of these phrases. When you get a car accident, is that inclusive in all? When you have a loved one pass away, is that inclusive of all? When you have authorities that are trying to jail you, is that inclusive of all things? God working in all things. Things When you have work that's going bad, is that inclusive of all things? When you have friends that are murmuring against you or pressing you to do something that you know isn't right, is that all? That would be yes. Jesus has authority over all these things, and we know that he works all those things for good, even in trials. So we know that these men were, preach- were boldly preaching— right? And teaching and proclaiming. It says later on in Acts that they thought they were uneducated. Remember, they were fishermen, right? So they were uneducated in Mosaic law and in the Torah, really was the reference here. So in, in other words, the scriptures that the Pharisees knew, they were uneducated in those, right? So now this is, but this is an important thing. Teaching and proclaiming Jesus will offend people. And are we comfortable with that? Because America generally is not comfortable with offending people. Uh, generally, we want to appease people. We would like to live peaceably, which Paul calls us to p- live peaceably as much as we can uh, with everybody. But on the same, in the same sense, Paul also says, but I'm going to continue to preach Christ crucified. Right? So teaching and proclaiming Jesus will offend some people. And we ha- are we ready for that? Men in our own homes... Being able to devote time and have to talk about scripture, that can feel offensive to some. Why? Because sometimes our kids or our wives and people don't want to do that in school today. There's classes where kids are separated between, do you believe in creation or do you believe in evolution? If you believe in evolution, stand over here. If you believe in creation, stand over here. Now, don't think that that's not in West Milford because that example is actually from West Milford schools. So that is a, that's a trial, right? And again, Jesus is authority over all. He's there in all trials. But if you proclaim that, you will offend some people. We can't get away from that because Jesus is a stumbling block. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit, right? So Paul, again, calls us later on to live peaceably, but also you have to preach Christ crucified. Now, here's the question as we see that they were grabbed and seized. Are, will we have persecution? I mean do we have persecution here in the United States? Are we going to have authorities calling us into account for our faith? Something to think about and how how will we act because we have our own trials of life today which I pointed out some but in the church here it's even it becomes even bigger than that. So China just recently officials forcibly removed crosses and the the term the word Emmanuel from fishing boats in China, either rejecting their fishing permits or preventing them from buying gasoline, right? Because they were part of a, a, a group to provide aid. And China said, we're gonna remove those or we're gonna prevent fishing permits and prevent buying gasoline. Those, they stood up and they said, no, we're, gonna, we want, we're not gonna do it. So the Chinese came in and scrubbed all the boats. Now you could say that's in China. In Canada, um, there's a horrible, you understand, of the horrible situation probably in the news where some of the churches are have been burnt down there, and there's a big story behind that, and there's more coming up to it each and every day behind the story. But what bothered me the most was the head of the British Columbia Civil Liberties Association, without association, without all of the information, and chair of the local bar association, to say, "quote, burn it all down." So that's an authority, right? Or maybe you're familiar more in the United States with Colorado where there's been several rulings of people who have been living out religious beliefs in their business as a florist, a baker, or a web designer who have had ruled against and have demonstrated animosity towards their desire to live out their faith of Christ. Or Even closer in New York, in California, the government, the the judicial committee, I should say, or Supreme Court ruled against the governments for having overreach in the church. Right? So they, in other words, they were saying that the churches could do things that businesses could during the pandemic. Right? So thankfully in New Jersey, we, the governor was, was pretty, pretty similar to that. Or maybe another one that's even close to heart, because uh, some of you had young kids, a third grader is now in a lawsuit for wearing a mask that says, Jesus loves me. Now, not Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me right so the sense that that is offensive referencing religious material as being offensive to others while while other people wore other masks that said other things that people deem as acceptable right so on all of these cases other people for other religions are doing the same things while the christianity seems Offensive, right? So teaching and proclaiming Jesus will offend, and we may, and more so, and expect if you read through the Bible, you'll notice we'll have more trials and persecution. Those are not going away. So, as Christians, we have to understand that the power of the Holy Spirit will always be with us, and we have to accept that power. So, now let's read on. I want to read on to in verses 7 through 12. So, and when they had set them in the midst, verse 7, and when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name do you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the peoples and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done by, to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, By him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders which have become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So here is the next piece that I want you to remember. So not only if you proclaim and teach Jesus, there will will be offense in this world. Jesus is with you. All authority is with you, and the Holy Spirit is with you. Now, you also have to understand that Je- is Jesus your capstone and your cornerstone? So, in, this, in, this, um, in, in verse 12 here, uh, 11 and 12, it talks about Jesus being the cornerstone. In other Bibles, you'll see the term capstone. Well, they actually mean two different things. Hopefully, I get this right, because I know we have builders in this church. Um, but as you live your life and you go into trials, whether you're going to school, whether you're going to college, whether you're going to camp, whether you're going to work, whether you're going to uh, travel, no matter what it is, do you have these things in mind to know that always God has all authority and the power is with us in all trials, no matter what will happen, large and small. So Jesus is your cornerstone and your capstone. So this actually is a reference to Psalms 22. So here you have these fishermen who are deemed uneducated, who are making reference to the Psalms and King David in Psalm 118, making the same reference about the cornerstone. He's referencing Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus actually referenced this himself in Matthew um, when he says, have you ever never read in the scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected and the one who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking about them. So these same people, Jesus had used this same passage to those Pharisees and those priests and those Sadducees to say, hey, um, I'm, fall, I'm talking about you. You're going to fall on the stone. You're going to be broken to pieces, right? And they heard this, and that was where they wanted to start to uh, take Jesus captive and, and, and kill him. So let's talk about the cornerstone and the capstone. The cornerstone is the first stone placed upon the foundation, right? So that's the picture on uh, your left, right? We're probably familiar with that, the corner of the structure, it bears much weight of a building's outer structure. It connects and unites two walls, and all litter stones and their angles are measured from it. So they suggested at the time, the builders, they choose the best stone and make it the cornerstone. So as you're going through life and you're going to trials, is Jesus your cornerstone? Is he the measuring stone, such that everything that comes out of there is measured against it? Is it the foundation so that it can bear weight under those trials? Is Jesus the cornerstone? Do you have that mindset going into that? And then I like the other, other verses, although most of them will use cornerstone, but capstone, um, the capstone is what goes on top. You can see that on the right, right? It's the finishing stone atop an exterior wall um, or other exterior architectural structure, right? It protects the masonry, causing water to flow certain ways to mitigate erosion, So is Jesus your cornerstone against which you measure everything? But is also Jesus your capstone, such that kind of keep those trials at bay, to be all authority, kind of allow that water to shut off so that we can live peaceably with all men, so that we can walk with grace, so that we can have pressure in those trials. Is Jesus your finishing stone such that every day in and day out, we are continuing to walk and be more like Christ? So maybe today you just need Jesus to be your cornerstone first and foremost. I don't have that cornerstone yet. Or maybe today in your walk, you need to say, I need you to be the author and finisher of my faith. This reminds me of Hebrews 12, 2 through 3. Look at the end of half of verse 1. Let us run with endurance that race that is set before us. So he's talking about, Paul here is talking about the endurance race, and I'm liking it to trials here. Uh, So I'm training for a half marathon now Again, with my son, who's just saying, "woohoo," And I haven't done that probably in about five years. So now it's a lot harder than it used to be. Um, and uh, so now I, I recognize that I'm running for endurance, and I have to run 13.1, and I just finished my first three mile. And I'm like, oh, boy, this October 2nd is going to come very fast. Um, that's all right. We're, we're going to do it. But that is, a, that is a trial that I've put on myself, right? That is not a, a, a persecution, so to speak. But I love the race analogy because it can feel like that. But the piece I want you to think about, looking to Jesus as the founder or the foundation, the cornerstone of your faith, and the perfecter, or other verses say the finisher of our faith. So he's the cornerstone, the founder, and the perfector, or the finisher, the capstone Right, And in both places, we're either starting with Jesus and Jesus is saying, come to me if you're weary in these trials, or he's saying, let me make you more perfect. Let me make you more like me, right, so that you will not grow weary or faint-hearted. So I love the Olympics. I've watched the Olympics a lot. I don't know if anybody watched the Olympics. There's a lot of political swirl around the Olympics this year, but I like to listen to the good stories. And there, were, there was uh, one lady here, her name was a- Athing Mu. She won the 800-meter gold, 19-year-old, first woman since 1968 to do that. So she was on the stage, and again, the Olympics was a, kind of a, a little bit of a political nightmare this year. So it was a lot, of, um, a lot of swirl around people who were there from the U.S. and didn't really love their country and the way people were doing things and things like that. But she said, as a follower of Christ, My main goal is to live in the image of Jesus. After she won her gold medal, saying, I hope I did well, but as a follower of Christ, my main goal is to live in the image of Jesus, right? Or Sydney McLaughlin, who also a woman who won the 400 miles, what I have in Christ is far greater than what I have or don't have. In life, And I thought in those moments, now yes, they're Olympic athletes and you're like, look at all that glory and fame. You know, I'm just trying to deal with my friends who are putting pressure on me for not doing what they want me to do. Or I'm just dealing with my workers who are saying that I, they can bring their whole self to work, but I, I can't even talk about my faith because it gets condemned at work, right? Um, or um, maybe there's other things that are going on in your life. And here we have two people, I think, that were willing to stand and say, hey, Christ is far greater than that. So remember, the Holy Spirit is with you with all trials, right? The power of the Holy Spirit helps us teach and proclaim Jesus Christ. And one more point on that, teach and proclaim Jesus Christ. I want to remember, well, we'll come back, come back to that in the verse. I don't want to skip ahead. And the last piece, remember, is that there's courage under fire. So let's read verses 13 through 20. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men? For a notable sign has been performed through them is evident in all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that they may spread no further among them, let us warn them to keep no more, to speak no more to anyone in his name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you or rather, or listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And then, when they had no longer, no longer further threatened them. They let them go, finding no way to punish them. So this Holy Spirit gives you courage under fire. If you're going into trials, into your life, and understanding that Jesus is my cornerstone and my capstone and that the Holy Spirit gives me power to speak and proclaim, I'll also have the courage to do so. So remember, in this it said boldness, I believe it said, um, but I also use the term courage. Right? So in those moments when I have to choose between my friends or saying that I believe in Christ because I believe in creation, or I, in those moments when I have to step out and say, hey, um, my Lord suggests that I not do that. Uh, Or when we, uh, God forbid, we come to a time that the Bible clearly says we will be persecuted by authorities more and more over time right? That we would have the courage to do that. And again, the acts here shows what the early church did as church growth. If we did these things today, this would be revival, So the church is preaching and teaching and proclaiming Christ resurrected. And every day they're educating each other and talking and teaching about Jesus' examples and his commandments and obeying them and fellowshipping with each other. And the Holy Spirit was giving them courage under persecution. And each day they were gathered together to do that as a church and providing. That would be considered revival today. The example that we have here in Acts is the initial church growth. So these same things we we can emulate. Now, here's what I love about Courage Under, under Fire. Um, they were fishermen. I, are there any fishermen in here? They like to fish. You're sport fishermen, right? They did it as, they, they did it as a job, right? I like to say that um, because, and you could say, yeah, well, they were not educated, but they were with Jesus. Yes, that is true. But guess what? We, were, we are with Jesus as well because Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit, right? So Jesus sent us a helper so he said it is advantageous for us for him to go so that we could have a helper so jesus is with us through the holy spirit and because of that we don't have to worry about being uneducated in the scriptures because the holy spirit educates us in the scripture right we ask we have to be willing to read the scripture right but we have to be able to abide in jesus jesus says abide in me and in my word and i will live in you right so the other piece in Luke that I, want you to, that I want to highlight here kind of brings this all together in Luke 21, 12 through 8. This is Jesus saying what's going to happen before it happens. So I just read in chapter 4 what has happened. This is Jesus talking about it before it happened. Now, he's talking to them about all things that are going to happen before the end comes, meaning the end times. But before all this, they will lay hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. And you will be brought before kings and governors for my namesake. This will be an opportunity for you to witness. So why do we have trials? It's an opportunity for us to witness. Either through our mannerisms, what we do or what we say, or through what we compl- uh, proclaim. I was going to say what we complain. No, that would be me when my AC broke. Um, but no, through what we proclaim right? Um, so do we demonstrate fruits of kindness, gentleness, patience, um, love, uh, or do we not? Do we understand that God has all things at hand, or do we not believe that, and therefore we have to take it ourselves? So this will be an opportunity for you to witness, whether it's me witnessing to my children and how I act, whether it's peers witnessing to their friends at school and how they act, or whether it's us at work and people understanding, hey, that is a believer. I think that my person may be in Christ. Um, I still, I don't remember who told me or it might've been a quote we read, but I still think one of the most powerful things I've heard was someone say, hey, Tim, sometimes you are the only Jesus people will ever see. And uh, you you try to emulate that sometimes and you're not, you don't do it perfectly, but I think that is true because yes, there's going to be times when you have the ability to proclaim Jesus, but other times there's times when you need to walk like Jesus and show that other people. So then he says, settle it before, therefore in your minds, not to meditate beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand. So the Sadducees and the priests, they says in here, they did not know what to say. They were astonished. They did not know what to do with them because people were praising and saying, look at this man that was healed. So they did not know what to say. They did not know what to do. His other adversaries could not, withstand them. And I also like the fact that it says settle in your mind. Um, Connor and I were just talking about this. Hey, before you get into situations, make sure you kind of determine what you're going to do in advance, right? And this is, I think for us is, is very similar. Understand, settle in your mind. Who is my cornerstone? Is it me and my abilities? Is it my, my, the things that I have and the talents or other people I know? Or is Jesus my cornerstone that I then set all my measurements according to? that is my foundation and is Jesus my capstone such that I'm acting in a way that will allow me to show courage under fire. And then he says, you will be hated by all for my namesake. All is all. It's still all, right? So all authority is given to Jesus. I will be with you always. All things work together for good. There will be times when it feels like all people may be hating them for his namesake. But by your endurance, you will gain your life. You will gain your life. So in Luke, he talks in advance of, hey, this is what's going to happen. In Acts, we now see it to play out. So that's why I said in the beginning, hey, Acts is actually a depiction of what Jesus is saying is going to happen to the church. And you, now you see it playing out in Acts uh, to, as, as kind of a rational realization of, okay, this is, this is very, very real. And it continues to play out all through the book of Acts like that. So what does that mean for us? So the last in verse 21, he says, they let them go. They no longer further threatened them. So they were threatened. They were commanded not to speak anymore about Jesus. They said, don't speak in his name anymore. They were jailed, um, all of those things. Now, I've never experienced that, thankfully. Uh, threatened, yes, but not necessarily even threatened for my faith right? That's why I brought in two pieces here. We all suffer trials, challenges, things that can bring out the worst in us that I would hope would bring out the best of us. But there's also going to be times when our faith is challenged, when we're threatened, when we're jailed. And are we ready for that? Do we have our minds made up about how that is going to go and who we're going to put our trust in before that? Because as it comes out, the last thing that they did is you notice they were praising God for what had happened. So now in this case, it was a good thing. In 421, this says, because of the people for all were praising God for what had happened, right? So what had happened? The lame beggar had been healed and they, uh, and, and they were let go out of prison. I would say that was a good ending, right? But it, all endings are not that way. But will you still praise God for what had happened? Right, knowing that all is God works all things together for good. He is with you always. He's your cornerstone, your capstone. He provides courage under fire. If you win, will you praise him? And if you lose, will you praise him? A famous quote from one of my favorite movies, Facing the Giants. Um, if you haven't seen it, I would hi- highlight. Definitely look for it. Right, but do we praise them for what had happened? Ephesians 5:20 says, "Always." So I'm, I'm still on that all theme, always giving thanks for, to God, the Father, for everything. So I have a sickness. Do I feel like saying always? No, I don't. But that's what he's calling us to because he's always there and the power of the Holy Spirit is always there in the trials. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do. So everything else is captured. Eat, drink, whatever you do. Everything else. Do it all for the glory of God. So I want to finish up with this one piece. So remember, the Holy Spirit is with you for all trials. The Holy Spirit was there as an individual with the church, bringing people to know Christ. The Holy Spirit was there in growing the church and creating fellowship and providing for all their needs. The Holy Spirit is there in the weakness, and the Holy Spirit is there in trials, whether you have trials now or whether trials are coming. Uh, my hope is that you have Christ as the cornerstone. You have rely on the power of the Holy Spirit for that courage I'll leave you with one more Olympic quote. Olympic wrestler, Kyle, Kyler Schneider. So I was a wrestler, so I'm partial to, to wrestling. Um, although Kyle Snyder didn't win. So he'd been facing the same guy he'd been wrestling for years and he didn't win. And this is what he said. You know, hey, Kyle, that was really rough. Really rough, you know, it was a really tough match. He says, yeah, I hate to lose. But losing doesn't define me. God alone defines me. So again, he's not being persecuted at that point in time. But I think the, what I want you to think is always giving thanks to God, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, in all trials, Jesus is your cornerstone. He gives us the ability to educate and proclaim Jesus and gives us the courage under fire.